0: Matthew chapter 28 is where we're going to be today. And we are here this morning celebrating the God of impossibilities. Just think about this. According to the laws of physics, the laws of chemistry, biology, a human body can't walk on water. Water can't be turned into wine. Diseases and deformities cannot be healed instantaneously. A virgin cannot give birth. And of course, death is death. Yet this day marks the central confession of our faith. Wait for it. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. The tomb was empty so that we don't have to be. And consider what the resurrection implies to us. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was brutally crucified. As we saw on Friday night, he endured hell on the cross. And then three days later, he was bodily resurrected, never to die again. That puts Jesus in a category um, among all humanity. In fact, he is in a category of one. One who rose from the dead, never to die again. Therefore, brothers and sisters, our faith rises and our faith falls with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I think of the words of Albert Moeller. He is the president of the um, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And he says this, Those who would attack the church and reject this gospel must direct their arrows at the most crucial true claim of the New Testament, that Jesus Christ, having suffered death on a cross, though sinless, having borne the sins of those he came to save, having been buried in a sealed and guarded grave, was raised by the power of God on the third day. Here's what we know, and here's what we believe. We believe that something happened um, in first century Israel. We believe, whether you call it a pebble or a boulder, was dropped into a pond, and one that is still producing ripples thousands of years later and thousands of miles away. We are still feeling the significance and the reality of that event. So what we are doing um, in our series is we are walking through the Apostles' Creed. We're not going to recite it today because of of time, but we've been walking through each um, picture of this creed that points us not to the creed itself, but to the Word of God. And today we come to the phrase, of course, on Easter, it's amazing how that happened. We come to the phrase, the third day he rose again from the dead. So that is our declaration today. So if you're able, we're going to ask you to stand as we honor God's Word. We're going to read Matthew 28 verses 1 through 15 together, and then dive into these amazing truths. So beginning at verse 1, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers, and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Let's pray together. Father, we come to this Amazing truth claim, Jesus, our Savior, died and resurrected on the third day. Lord, today we pray in our time together that you would help us to to get past the familiarity that we have with this story. And God, we just pray that it would affect our hearts in a new and a special way today. Oh, how we need you. We need your truth. We need your son. Father, today meet us here. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. So I find this whole story fascinating. That The the enemies of Christ waste no time to to spread lies concerning the resurrection. In fact, when we come to the end of Matthew 27, what we find is that it was the enemies of Christ, um, not his followers, who remembered that Christ said he would rise from the dead. So it was the enemies that remembered and not... Not the ones who heard it over and over and over again. So following the resurrection, the enemies of Christ scramble to try to explain away what has happened. And let me just say this. We live in a world where sinful man is always seeking to explain away the divine. Always seeking to explain away what is of God. So we are told in Matthew 28, payment was made to the soldiers. A conspiracy was born. and The conspiracy was this. He did not rise from the dead. His body was stolen. And I want to begin here this morning, and I want to answer in our time together two foundational questions pertaining to the resurrection of Christ and our salvation in Him. And I pray that today maybe we would see this in a new way or maybe with fresh lenses today. So the first question we're going to unpack is this. What if the resurrection did not happen so what if the lie that began that day, what if, what if it didn't happen? And let's begin where many unbelievers um, begin and where, what they declare that Jesus was not resurrected. And here's what we know. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, one, then the word of God is inaccurate. So the word of God would be inaccurate. Just think with me. If the resurrection didn't happen, Jesus would be a liar. Jesus would be a liar. Just think about the claims he made. He claimed that he was before Abraham in John 8. He claimed that um, he was equal with God in John 10. He claimed that he was the way, the truth, and the life. No one came to the Father except through him in John 14. He claimed in Matthew 9 that he was able to forgive sins. He claimed that he came to seek and save that which was lost. And in Matthew 20, he said that he came to die. But the claim of all claims was that of Resurrection, And we know that Jesus continually claimed that he would rise from the dead. Starting in Matthew 12, what has been called the sign of Jonah. You have it on the screen. Jesus said, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. In Matthew 16, 21, right after Peter said, you are the son of God, Jesus said, or we are told that from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, be killed, and on the third day be raised. In Matthew 17, 22 and 23. In Matthew 20, 17 and 19. In Matthew 26, 32, Jesus again and again and again declares that he would rise from the dead. And then when we get to the end of Matthew 27, his enemies remembered that he had taught that. So just think about all the claims of Jesus. And then think about what if those claims are true or what if they're not. I I love the words of C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. We use it all the time, but it never gets old. Maybe to you, but not to me. He says this, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said wouldn't be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic On the level with a man who says he's a poached egg or he would be the devil of hell. You must take your choice. Either this was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. So just think about this. If Jesus was a liar, then why would he die for a lie? Or if Jesus was a lunatic, then how in the world did he engage um, in intellectual conversations and debates? Or if Jesus is Lord, then why don't we bow before him with our knees like we should? If the resurrection didn't happen, Jesus would be a liar, but not only him, the disciples would be liars. For the question becomes, did the disciples claim that Jesus rose from the dead? And we know according to Matthew 28, Matthew did. According to John chapter 20, John did. According to Acts chapter 2, Peter did. And please understand, the disciples didn't say Jesus survived death. They said Jesus died and conquered death. And what did this claim earn them, you might ask? Did they become famous? Were they asked in that day to appear on Fox News and CNN? Were they told to write books and go on tours? Um, No, that is not what happened. Instead, they were brutally persecuted and murdered because of their claims. In fact, their claim of the resurrection did not make them famous. It made them wanted. And all of a sudden, people wanted them dead. They wanted them gone. In fact, think about what their claims earned them. If you've never thought about this, Matthew suffered martyrdom by being slain with a sword in Ethiopia. John was persecuted in many different ways, even put in a cauldron of boiling oil. He escaped death in a miraculous manner, and then he was banished to an island of prisoners at the age of of 90. Peter was crucified upside down in Rome because he said he was unworthy to die the same death that Christ died. James the Greater was beheaded in Jerusalem. James the Less was thrown off of the the pinnacle of the temple and then beat to death. Bartholomew was filleted alive. Andrew was bound to a cross where he preached to his persecutors until he died. In fact, the story goes that when um, Andrew was led to the cross, he broke free and ran to the cross and hugged it and said, The closer I am to you, the closer I am to Christ, the further I am from you, the further I am from my Savior. Just imagine those words. Thomas was run through his body with a lance. Jude was shot with arrows. Philip, get this, was impelled with iron hooks in his ankles and hung upside down until he died. Simon the Zealot was also crucified. These men who claimed that Jesus rose from the dead, they didn't become famous, they became dead. That is the reality. I love the words of Pascal who said, I believe the witness who gets his throat cut. That's the witness, I believe. And these men died not for a lie. They died because they experienced something. So these disciples, they didn't get fame. They didn't get fortune. But get this, brothers and sisters, they got Jesus. And they got him then, and they got him forever and ever and ever. But if, if the resurrection didn't happen, then the word of God is inaccurate. But then secondly, then the message of God is inadequate. So if it didn't happen, then the message that we are proclaiming is inadequate. Think about this. The message of God is what we call the gospel. And what the gospel is, is that God took the initiative. So God took the first step to save us while we were lovers of sin and haters of God. While that was happening, God sent his one and only son, born of a virgin, who came into this world, lived a life that none of us could live, a life of total perfection, died a death that none of us could die, a death for the sins of the world, and conquered an enemy that we can't conquer, death and the grave. We know that that Paul claimed that the gospel message was the power of God unto salvation, In fact, today we claim that this gospel message is the most important message that we could ever proclaim. But, let me just say this, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then this message is inadequate. In fact, even the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ so basically what Paul tells us is this if Christ isn't raised from the dead then we're wasting our time we're wasting our time if Christ has not risen from the dead and then third if Christ hasn't risen from the dead then our faith in God is insulting our faith faith in God would be insulting think about this if the resurrection did not happen then we have nothing to offer the world around us We have nothing to offer the world around us. Because think about this. What a people in sin need most is not a good moral example. What a people in sin need most is a savior from sin. You know, people try to say that's all Jesus is. Just a great moral example. People in sin don't need moral examples. We need the savior. And that's what Jesus came to be for us. And if Christ is not raised, then living for him, obeying him, Following him and his word is a great delusion. In fact, we would be like a a bunch of people who just live by hallucinations if Christ has not been raised. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul goes on to say this, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, for we are of all people most pitied. So if the resurrection didn't happen. Let me just say it very clearly. If this did not happen, then Christianity is a false religion. Satan wins. We lose. Period. Period. But. There is a great word there. But. the second question is this. What if the resurrection did happen? What if the resurrection did happen? What if the claims of Christ and his disciples were true? What it would be? do for us is mean that the gospel cannot be stopped if jesus christ rose from the dead then we have to accept not just that that he claimed we have to accept everything that he claimed when he claimed to be god when he claimed to be the only way to the father when he claimed to be everything that he claimed to be and to do we have to receive that just just think about this if the resurrection did happen it changes everything one, one German philosopher said this, the problem with the resurrection is not that there's, there's not enough proof. The problem with the resurrection is that if we believe it, we have to change. If we believe it, something has to change. And the, the problem is most people don't want anything to change, therefore they try not to believe it. David Siemens tells a story of a, a Muslim who became a Christian in Africa. And some of his friends asked him, why did you become a Christian? And here's how he answered. Well, it's like this. Suppose you were going down the road, and suddenly the road forked in two directions, and you didn't know which way to go. And there at the fork in the road were two men, one dead and one alive. Which one would you ask for directions? we, We hear a lot today about which religion is true. What religion should we believe? Aren't they all the same? And here's a simple way to answer the question. Find the one whose founder rose from the dead and follow him. That's the way to settle. find the one whose founder rose from the dead and follow him. If this is the case, and we are here this morning declaring that it is, then here's what we know. Number one, Jesus is Lord over life and death. If the resurrection did happen, then Jesus is Lord over life and death. Hear the words of Jesus in John 10. I love this. Jesus says, I lay down my life, and I take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Think about this. I have the authority to lay it down in death, and I have the authority to take it up again in resurrection. Who in here has determined their own life and their own death. No one, but Jesus did. I mean, just just think about this. And because of that, no one can keep him down because no one knocked him down. Jesus laid down when he was ready. Jesus did not slip into the tomb. He did not fall into the tomb. He stepped into the tomb. And when the time uh, came, He pushed the stone away so that all of us could see what he has done for us. But here's the, beauty, be- the beautiful part. is Jesus is not just Lord over his own life and his own death. He is also Lord over ours. Amen. He is Lord over your death and over my death and over our lives. I'm going to give a weird comparison. It's going to sound really weird, but just follow with me here. I have heard that possums are really smart animals. Now, we wouldn't think so because most of the time we see them is on the side of the road after being hit by a car. So how smart can they possibly be? But it has been said that possums will not enter a hole if they only see one set of tracks going in. They'll only enter if they see a set of tracks going in and another set of tracks coming out. And that's what makes them smart. So if there's two sets of tracks, they will go into the hole. But think about this, brothers and sisters, the message of Easter is that we can enter the grave. We don't have to fear death because not only is there one set of footprints going in, there is also a set of footprints coming out and we can trust that Jesus is Lord over life and Lord over death. We are able to rejoice in that. He is Lord over life, Lord over death. But secondly, if the resurrection happened, then Jesus is Lord over sin and He's Lord over Satan. He is Lord over them. We must never forget... Never forget that death is a consequence for sin. Let me say it again. The Bible doesn't misguide us when it comes to death. The Bible says death is an enemy. We were never meant by God to die. You might say, then why do we die? Because we sinned. Because we chose to look at God and say, I don't want your way. I want my way. And God says, then have it your way. You know, the reality of the judgment of God is God's going to give many people what they wanted, which is they wanted a life apart from God, and that's exactly what they will get forever and ever and ever. We were not created by God to die. Death is a curse and an enemy that came through sin, and we all have sinned. Therefore, we will all die. We will all face death. There, Because of sin, yet there is one man in all of history who did not sin, but yet he died for us, rose from the grave, and when he did that, sin and Satan were disarmed. Listen to Hebrews 2. It says this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, meaning Jesus, so just think about this, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death, His death for our sins, he might destroy the one who has the power over death, that is the devil. So, through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus destroys and is Lord over sin and Satan. And then, third, if Jesus did rise from the dead, then number three, Jesus is Lord over you and he's Lord over me. Jesus is Lord. That is the fundamental claim of Christianity. The claim of Christianity is not, Jesus is good, although he is, or Jesus just came to save. No, Jesus is Lord. Think about what Paul writes in Romans 10, because if you confess with your mouth, get this, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Let me just lay this before you today as as biblically truthful as I possibly can. In order for anyone to have Christ as your Savior, you must also have Christ as your Lord. You cannot come to Jesus and say, I'll take you as the lamb that I can lead around, but I don't want you as the lion. No, he is the lion and he is the lamb, and we cannot take him as one without taking him as the other. If we come to him, we get the lion and we get the lamb. And we have to receive him for who he is. Let me just lay this before you. God saves no one. God saves no one who would rather still live in rebellion than follow him. God saves no one who doesn't have a desire to follow him, doesn't have a desire to live for him, doesn't have a desire to see him get all the glory. The picture is when we come to Christ as Savior and Lord, we must cease our rebellion against Him. We must give Him the throne of our hearts and let Him rule there and reign there. And if that hasn't happened, then we aren't saved no matter what we profess. That is the reality of salvation. That is the reality of what we are here. And the the sad thing about it is, All over the scripture, Jesus is Lord, yet that is the place that many Christians go, "Uh I don't really like that kind of preaching. And the picture is this, if you are not willing to call Jesus Lord, you will never enter heaven. That is the reality of scripture. So I think about this. This is who Jesus is if the resurrection happened. Again, we are here declaring that it did. And when I think about that first resurrection Sunday, here's what I'm reminded of. I'm reminded that Jesus gets the last word. Jesus gets the last word. Think about this. Satan, brothers and sisters, Satan doesn't get the last word. Cancer doesn't have the last word. Diseases and sickness do not get the last word. Shootings and wars do not get the last word. In fact, I love this one. Politicians don't get the last word. Amen? Starvation and poverty don't get the last word. Dysfunction and rebellion don't get the last word. And death itself itself does not have the last word. Because Jesus died and rose from the dead, brothers and sisters, He gets the last word. But let me just lay it out here. He will get the last word over every one of our lives. In fact, I want to show you one more picture. This comes from Matthew 25, and this shows us what Jesus' last word will be to every single one of us in this room, one or the other. According to Matthew 25, Jesus says this, Then the king will say to those on his right, that means those who came to God on his terms through his Son, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So those that came to God on his terms through his son, Jesus will say, come, enter into your rest. But for those who don't, the next picture is this. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You cursed into the evil fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Just think about this. If you were to stand before God today, which do you believe he would say to you? Would he say to you, enter in to my rest because of what you have done for, through through me? Or would he say, depart from me, I never knew you. See, the reality is, some point this weekend, many of our children and many of our grandchildren are, are going to or have or will run around in our yards or in rooms intently looking for these things called eggs. And like our children, scattering around looking for eggs, every single one of us in this room, we're also on a hunt. Whether you know it or not, whether you're willing to confess it or not, you are, brothers and sisters, on a search for significance, purpose, fulfillment, and life itself. And the problem is we, just like our children, often settle for the shiny and the sugary things. That's what we settle for. We settle for the shiny and the sugary. And that's what we desire and that's what we settle for. But let me just say this. If you are here this morning and you want that which will last forever, then you must pay careful attention to Easter. Meaning you cannot afford to miss what Christ has done for you in fact let me say something i said friday night I just want to lay this out here again jesus earned for you what you could never earn for yourself it is possible it is possible for us in this room to earn the wrath of god because of our sin and it's not just possible it's true of all of us we have all earned the wrath of god because of our sin So it's possible and and probable, and it has happened because of our sin. But let me just tell you this. It is not possible for us to ever earn our salvation. We can earn God's wrath, and we have, but we can never, ever, ever earn his salvation. Thankfully, brothers and sisters, Jesus has earned it for us. Let me just say this. I said this on Friday night, but I think this is so beautiful, that Buddha's last words. Think about Buddha, his last words were this, strive without ceasing. So, Buddha, this this great religious leader, his last words were, Don't stop working. Maybe, just maybe you can earn it. And Jesus' last words were, It is finished. Amen. Meaning, I have earned it for you. If we miss the significance of the resurrection, We miss eternal life now, and we miss it forever. Think about this, brothers and sisters. The foundation of our faith is not us. It's not what we bring to the table. The foundation of our faith is what we celebrate this very day. And don't miss this and be ready for it. It is this. Christ is risen. One more time. Christ is risen. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and we're going to call the musicians forward and we're going to enter into a time of invitation and consecration where we say that if God has spoken to your heart through your word that you respond to him this day. Let me just tell you this. If you came in today and maybe you came in apart from Christ, the Bible has declared a day for your salvation and it's called today. So today is the day salvation today is the day to turn away from trusting in yourself to turn away from your sin and to turn to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and here's the beautiful thing if we come to God through his son we will never be turned away we'll never be turned away so let's pray together fathers we come before you based on the reality of your word Lord, the reality, Father, is apart from what Jesus has done for us, we have bad news written over our lives. Very, very, very bad news. Because we have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is still death. But we are so thankful that the gift of God is still eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, I pray for any in this room today who do not know you. Maybe they've come to you wanting a Savior from from hell, but they've never bowed the knee to you, Jesus, as Lord. And I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. God, I pray for others in this room today, God, who have trusted you as a Savior and Lord, but God, find themselves right now, Lord, as a prodigal away from you. Today, as you did the prodigal, I pray that you would cause them to come to their senses, God, and return to you. God, help us to see today what it is that we leave when we leave you. And Lord, God, give them the grace and the mercy to return to you, knowing, God, that you are waiting for them and your words to them are welcome home. Father, just finish this time today as only you can.